This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Eaton Vance High Yield ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find smart bond selection from a specialized team with deep fixed income expertise. Get to know what's inside EVHY, the symbol of high yield done right, at eatonvance.com slash symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Welcome to The Exchange. I'm Robin Mack, and I'm here in Hong Kong, a usually peaceful financial city that has been rocked by massive and occasionally violent demonstrations. The cause, a controversial amendment that would have allowed extradition of criminal suspects to jurisdictions, including mainland China. Here with us now is Michael Tan, who is a member of Hong Kong's parliament-like legislative council, as well as a member of the National People's Congress in mainland China. Michael, thanks for coming on the show. It's my honor to be invited, Robin. So let's start with where things stand now. Mm. So after weeks of unrest and record turnout demonstrations, Hong Kong's chief executive, Carrie Lam, has apologized. She's suspended the bill and is now facing increasing pressure to step down. So how should the world be thinking about this? Good question. I think whether or not Carrie Lam continues is not something that we should put on the top of the list, but rather the future of one country, two system, and how the central government looks at its future relationship with Hong Kong. Uh, as you know, uh, the late Deng Xiaoping invented one country, two system, based on a dream. All the details uh, were later sort of ironed out. Extradition to mainland was deliberately left out. Okay, so it's Article Twenty Three to be handled later without really a definite date. And that's the National Security Bill. Right, right, right. Article Twenty Three is a National Security Bill. All right, so there was no time frame on this. From a uh, principal standpoint, if we worry about uh, extradition to mainland, that would mean we condone all uh, the people who live in Hong Kong, commit crime in the mainland, come back to Hong Kong, and remain untouchable for the rest of their lives. From a socially, uh, totally justice point of view, it seems pretty bizarre. So when government brought forth this long-standing, outstanding issue, in fact, I would say the majority uh, view of Hong Kong people uh, support the direction of having to do something. All right, and then Murphy's Law took over. Everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. The timing, bundling with the Taiwan murder case explaining why they cannot be decoupled, the urgency, and the rejection of all other amendments 
two governments' proposal, the primary of which is the one that I recommended, which is to grant Hong Kong court extraterritorial judicial power to try Hong Kongers committing offenses overseas in Hong Kong and serve sentence in Hong Kong. Right. That actually has met with widespread support, which would mean that the people understood that Hong Kong should not continue to be a criminal's haven, but that something has to be done. They just have very big worry about the judicial system in China, be it right or wrong, it's a perception. So let me ask, throughout this process, what do you think was Beijing's role in this? Because they did come out to support this extradition bill. Well, right, since you introduced uh, me as a National People Congress deputy, <laughs> of course, people will listen to me with a sort of a, a biased view. But honestly, I have never been uh, a biased on the other side, either the one country side or the two system side, because I wear both hats. I'm squeezing between. I firmly believe that this was not initiated by Beijing. If Beijing were to really drive this thing, they would not have backed off. Right. Okay? Yes. And we all know what <laughs> the Beijing regime is like, right? Mm -hmm. Secondly, if they were to create such a turmoil uh, and controversy, they would have gone for Article 23, which is a constitutional uh, requirement that has never been met. This extradition bill is not, part, it's not even part of our constitution, not on the basic law. Right. Right? So why would they, if they knew that it's going to be so controversial, why would they not push Article 23, which has not been touched since uh, 2003? That's what, um, 16 years ago. All right? So just logically, all right, without me sort of sharing inside information, mm. any listener should be able to come to the conclusion that it's not driven by Beijing, it's driven by Carrie Lam, uh, who wants to be a very proactive chief executive, who wants to outdo her predecessors in achieving something that is probably very difficult. And it would advise to bundle it with a Taiwan case, which would then limit the amount of time given to really scrutinize the bill. Right, so this was the Taiwan murder case yeah, that exactly. sparked so, so as a result, this entire... everybody has their own fear, nightmare about this bill. So how do you think Beijing now sees Hong Kong after this? Um, has their perception of how to govern the city changed, or have they taken a different approach to one country, two systems? Okay. This is a very deep question. I can share with you my wishful thinking. I hope uh, that is what's happening up there now in terms of discussion. As you know, Beijing allows us to have a constitutional reform where we can use one man, one vote to select our chief executive based on a list of people nominated by Beijing. All right, so in other words, that's kind of like sharing power between one country and two systems. A few years back, it was shot down by the pandemocrats, the opposition. Yes. So this was we, the 2014 pro-democracy Yeah, uh, Yeah, protests. that's the so-called August 31st uh, MPC framework. It was shot down by the uh, uh, pandemocrat, the opposition, 
because we need two-third majority, we were about three votes shy. At that particular time, this particular arrangement uh, has met uh, over half of the people in Hong Kong supporting it against maybe 30% against. All right? So if that had gone through, the whole situation today would be very different. First of all, would Carrie Lam risk pushing this thing through? All right? If she, are, if she is interested in the second term. Because right. no matter how much she thinks she has plugged the loophole to appease the Public Security Bureau of China and whatnot, she has to pay, she has to face the people of Hong Kong for a second term. So would she still push? All right? Would she give it more time? Or furthermore, would she actually come forth and become more convincing? telling the people of Hong Kong and all the business community and say, hey, listen, we now have universal suffrage. I am interested in the second term, all right? Believe me, I will safeguard your interests. You see, the thing that really nailed a uh, sort of put a final nail in the, in the coffin is the law society towards the very tail end before the first Sunday turnout, okay? The law society came out and said, uh, the whole idea of chief executive sending this proposal to Hong Kong is that she will be the guardian. She will guard the interests of Hong Kong people and not blindly accede to every single request to surrender a Hong Kong person to mainland. But the point is, she is not universally elected. She right. is basically chosen by uh, you know, 1,500, 2,000 people whom everybody knows is uh, under the, uh, you know, sort of dominance of Beijing. So I do want to go back to this point so about... So she is lacking a mandate. Right, a po the popular to mandate. To look at people Correct. in the eye yes. and say, trust me, I will be the guardian angel. But, I mean, this sort of universal suffrage uh, proposal, which is to let Hong Kong people vote for candidates that have been vetted and screened already yes. and approved by Beijing. I mean, yeah. it was... I mean, it did, you know... It was opposed quite a bit. Um, you know, it sparked, nope, you nope. know, an umbrella movement. It was Occupy Central, nope. you know. So, I mean, isn't it risky that, you know, reintroducing it now today would nope. uh, trigger okay. more unrest, let, let, let more anti-Beijing right, sentiment? Nope. Let me give you some uh, objective background. The package that was put forth, the last neutral survey has about 50-some-odd percent in support and about 30% opposed. This current extradition bill has 50% opposed and 25% support. If you look at these two incidents, they're totally different. People are smart. They realize that if you want a uh, universal suffrage system where it's completely out of Beijing's control, then you are defying one country. So basically, it's an independent, you're going for independence. That will never work. So this is, a lot of people realize that that is actually the only compromise, the best they can. That Beijing can, would accept. That Beijing would accept. Yes. And also, a lot of people feel that if we really want to balance one country to system, you must have a chief executive that pay attention to both the needs of central government and the Hong Kong people and not biased towards one side, which is really the crux of one country, two system, right? So my wishful thinking, as I said early in the program, is that with this incident, 
I hope Hong Kong people will wake up to the fact that a universal suffrage package under the August 31st framework is the only way out for Hong Kong in the future to instill some kind of credibility in our future chief executive. That's really interesting. So let me shift gears a bit. So there have been quite a lot of reports now about capital being moved out of the city, Hong Kong people immigrating abroad, and foreign businesses just worrying about sort of the future of Hong Kong and its status as a global financial center. And I know that, you know, you've been in business, you're in politics now. You know, what do you think about these concerns? Are they justified? And what do you think the government should be doing to address these concerns to the business community as well? I have reason to believe that the first Sunday, a million people, the second Sunday, two million people going on the street, quite a lot of them are disgusted at the way this thing was handled. It was rammed through on an illogical basis, all right, without any kind of explanation. And that those who worry about uh, themselves being uh, surrendered to China is not the majority. Because honestly, many people have never been to China, nor do they want to do business in China. Okay? So it's all based on a perception. A perception. I would say that the same thing is happening to the business community. If you really think about it, how would it affect business community? Unless you have a foreign businessman who has spent a lot of time in China, had engaged in a lot of activities and had committed some crime, in which case that person do not have to come back to Hong Kong. They can just go back to their home country, right? And, and that person happens to have to stay in Hong Kong to continue, but without going back to China. Because once you go back to China, you'll be arrested anyway, right? So just think about the possibility of the people affected. Now, you're talking about people in transit of Hong Kong, right? Now, all the foreigners who used to visit in China, now they don't want anything to do with it, but they want to travel through Hong Kong to other parts. You have an airport, you can have a transit system where that person is actually uh, legally not uh, in the Hong Kong jurisdiction, so you can't even extradite that person. That can be arranged. We have asked, and that can be arranged. So neither worry yeah. can really uh, stand firm. But what about, I guess, the broader concerns that rule of law in general is slowly being eroded and extradition is just one exactly. small part. The rule of law being eroded, people need to be very objective and ask themselves this question. How is the rule of law being eroded in this case? You're talking about somebody who has spent time in China, committed one of the 37 offenses, all right, and then come back to Hong Kong and stay here. That person could leave Hong Kong, right? Um, but, but stay here continuously and worry about being uh, you know, prosecuted maybe years later. We just think about that. From another angle, what about justice being served? So then, of course, you say, well, maybe these are not really criminals, but uh, China is trying to frame them. So they think of some reason to frame these people. And when they go up there, they try them on different issues. So that's how these uh, uh, the human rights or our, our legal rights are being uh, affected. But then you're still talking about people who has one set foot in China. That is not the bulk of Hong Kong people. I tell you right now, the bulk of our Hong Kong citizen probably never set foot in China. If they did, it would be as a tourist. 
not engaging in any kind of significant activities. So if you think about the magnitude of the worry, this whole thing honestly has been blown out of scale. I would say that most people have this common perception. If the law society disagree with this thing, it therefore must not be good, full stop. I mean, clearly, you know, people are divided and opinions are quite divided. What is oh, by the, the way, next step? I, I just want to yeah. very quickly say, say, I am the only pro-establishment legislator and the MPC deputy who has openly right. expressed my opposition to this bill. Right. So anybody yes. listening, please do not understand that I'm trying to defend this bill. I have been opposing it on day one pushing for my amendment, which government did not uh, even bother to listen, okay? But still, I have to be objective about what is the real concern. How serious is this problem? It's actually a political fiasco. So what is the next step then for the Hong Kong government? Because clearly tensions are very high, you know, society is quite divided, there's very high mistrust of the government. What should the next step be if you were to stay away from all controversial issues okay uh it's going to be a lame duck for the balance of her term hong kong people will no longer have trust in the current political system i don't think it's just simply trust in carrie lamb it's the trust in the current political system that's why i have been pushing for reintroducing the august 31st framework uh, to try for another round of universal uh, constitutional reform. This time, let the Hong Kong people decide. Do they still want a handful of people electing a future chief executive, or they want to have their role in the two? Great. Thanks, Michael. That's, um, that's all we have time for, but thank you very much for coming on and sharing your views. And that's our show. I'd like to thank our producers, Sharon Lam and Freddie Joyner, and to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Check us out every day at breakingviews.com and subscribe to our podcast series on iTunes or the app of your choice. This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Parametric Equity Premium Income ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find institutional expertise from a specialized team with deep derivatives experience. Get to know what's inside PAPI, the symbol of alternative income, at eatonvance.com symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC.